Oh, yeah, baby. <clears throat> hey, the doctor is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, bringing you episode 478, and we will be, we will be talking about farmed fish and erythritol and some other subjects, uh, but again, on the short side. But as a veteran and as a physician, it's important that I bring to you the information that was forwarded to me from a uh, Dr. Heitman, who is an ophthalmologist in Greenville, South Carolina. He served as a served as a flight surgeon and ophthalmologist in the U.S. Air Force, and it really regard, uh, regards our veterans. Okay, and uh, you know. Uh, Unfortunately, the Department of Veteran Affairs is now taking steps to allow optometrists, optometrists, uh, someone who goes to optometry school in a four-year degree program to perform eye surgery, surgery on the eyes of veterans. They removed guideline language that allows only ophthalmologists to perform surgery. Now look, optometrists are an essential part of veterans eye care team. And they can provide primary air care. But they don't have the medical education or surgical training necessary to perform surgery. Physicians' assistants, as I've told you many times in the past, nurse practitioners have seven, eight hundred hours of postgraduate training versus 13,000 hours for a family physician. So it could be the first human subject for eye surgery for an optometrist could be a veteran. And that's a low standard of care for our VA system. We should not take any shortcuts to safety, especially performing surgery. An ophthalmologist has four years of medical school. He has four years of residency and will have performed hundreds of surgeries of different complexities. And it takes maybe eight to 10 years of, of closely monitored surgery, one-on-one -on -one mentoring for these board certified ophthalmologists contrasting to the optometry school four-year program. And some will say, well, there's a shortage of ophthalmologists. There is not. There is not. The ophthalmologists will argue that. So we don't want to loosen the standards for our veterans, ladies and gentlemen. So please keep an eye on this. Talk to people about it. Write to the VA. We don't want laser surgeries performed by optometrists. And 
We want to buy board-certified ophthalmologists. We don't want our cataracts out by optometrists. We don't want macular degeneration treated by optometrists. So veterans uh, have recently benefited from a, a really consistent high quality of surgical eye care. And maybe they've benefited for benefited for uh, by it for decades, but why change now? It's not going to solve any kind of problem, but it may create other problems with botched surgeries. And it's been uh, shown that uh, most Medicare beneficiaries live within a half hour of an ophthalmologist. So why do we? allow optometrists who are, are who are a valuable part of the, of the system to do surgeries. I think we would all agree that surgery of the eye is a delicate procedure and it requires skill and judgment. So we have to get on the VA to reinstate the guidelines for our veterans. Okay, so I think that it was important. So if uh, you get the uh, the message out, that would really help our vets. Let's start off uh, by talking about uh, a popular sweetener. You, you know, I, I do not like any of the diet sodas because they have DIE in them, which is dye, and I don't like the artificial sweeteners, but. A lot of these studies done on uh, these sweeteners have been done on uh, animals. But a new study finds a link between erythritol, a common sweetener, it's used as a filler in stevia, and monk fruit, monk fruit sweeteners, and it's also some keto products. So the study found a link to that product and risk the risk of harm to the heart and blood vessels. And that included clotting, strokes, heart attacks, and even death. And of course, the people that they studied did have these pre-existing conditions. Erythritol is, quote, on par with the strongest of cardiac risk factors like diabetes. That's what the lead author wrote. This study was peer reviewed. It was published just recently in Nature Medicine. Now, people say, well, you know, erythritol is found in, in food, fruit and fermented foods. Yeah, but the erythritol is thousands of times higher than the amount that would otherwise be found in nature. I know it's popular because it doesn't have an aftertaste. It adds bulk to the, to the, to the artificial sweetener like stevia. And this wasn't the first study to question the safety of artificial sweeteners. They've been under fire for years. I've done many podcasts on them. Last uh, year, a large study showed a connection to heart disease and stroke. And earlier research connected them to type 2 diabetes and cancer. That's all the diet sodas. 
And there's no acceptable daily intake of erythritol, E-R-Y-T-H-R-I-T-O-L, set by the FDA because the companies get it into production by something called GRAS, generally recognized as safe. And essentially, most food chemicals introduced since the year 2000 were green-lighted by the food and chemical industry under the GRAS rather than the FDA. GRAS appears to be a loophole to let these companies decide which substances are safe. And erythritol can be used in table sugar by home bakers, and, or is used. Not can, as of right now, you should not be using this. It's become popular with keto people. Well, the study goes on and on, and uh, the link between the artificial sweetener and the tendency for blood clots among 4,000 people in Europe and the U.S. 4,000 people. Now, again, the people that had these strokes and, and cardiac events, had coronary heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes to start with. So does that mean if, if it, it means one thing to me that if you have these diseases, you should not be using erythritol like the, like, like the uh, supplement Truvia, the sweetener Truvia has in it. But you know what? If it does that to people with heart disease, will what's the effect on a normal person? Well, we don't know, really know that yet, but it can't be good in my opinion. And they also did something uh, interesting with this research. They asked eight healthy volunteers to consume uh, a drink containing 30 grams of erythritol, which is the amount approximately in a pint of keto ice cream or a can of artificially sweetened soda. Their blood levels of erythritol went up a thousandfold and stayed elevated for days. That translates into about a two-fold higher risk for a heart attack and stroke. Two times the risk, one can of soda. So look, we need the government, good luck on that, to step up and have some legislation. But in the meantime, please look at the labels for ingredients. Try to avoid foods with products with ingredients whose names you cannot pronounce. Eat fewer processed foods, especially those sweetened with erythritol. The more erythritol, the more bad health you have. Choose non-processed foods. And I keep going back to EWG, Environmental Working Group. They also have on their website food scores. And you could look there and see which foods they recommend, more or less, that are healthy for you. And it includes, I'm told, I did not check this out myself, but I am told that it includes thousands of foods made with erythritol. So I know you're not hearing this on the mainstream media, and I know you're not reading this in, in your papers, but I want to bring this to you because it does come from EWG, uh, or very reputable. So erythritol, ladies and gentlemen. So let me just uh, 
read to you some titles of articles I have saved. We're not going to go through them all. Number one, freshwater fish contain staggering amounts of toxic PFAS chemicals. They're the forever chemicals. Second one, fish are testing positive for antidepressants, prostate medication, antibiotics, and painkillers. Next, 126 species of fish contaminated with a cocktail of big pharmaceutical drugs. Next, farmed fish eat microplastics. So do people who eat the fish also eat microplastics? Next, industrial fish farms threaten human health and environment. Next, endocrine disrupting chemicals in pesticides and birth control pills can affect fish for generations. Are you getting the idea? And then I may open this for you. 17 fish you should never eat. 17 fish you should never eat. So that's, that's freshwater fish. Freshwater fish. How about, while we're just, just going through it, how about salmon? Salmon farming, according to Dr. Mercola's latest uh, post, is a disaster both for the environment and for human health, and tests show farmed salmon is about five times more toxic than other foods tested. In animal feeding studies, mice fed farmed salmon developed obesity. They developed diabetes related to the toxic exposures of the salmon. Besides pesticides and antibiotics used in far fish farming, the most significant source of toxic exposure is the dry pellet feed, which contains dioxins, PCBs, and other pollutants. PCB concentrations in farmed salmon, that's the Atlantic salmon, don't get fooled by that name are on an average eight times higher in wilds than in wild salmon. Farm salmon also does not have the nutritional profile of wild salmon, containing a lot more omega-6s than omega-3s. Now salmon, wild salmon is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids. But farm salmon, it has been reported, has more in common with junk food than health food. More in common with junk food than health food. So they're saying now that farm salmon pose a more direct toxic uh, threat to your health. You know, I, I go to dinner and people say, oh, I'm going to get fish. I'm not eating meat. Oh, please. Uh, the source really matters now. Because of the fact, as I stated initially, today's farmed salmon is one of the most toxic foods in the world. 
intensive farming and global pollution, the flesh of the fish we eat has turned into a deadly chemical cocktail. In a global assessment of farm salmon published in January of 2004, 13 persistent organic pollutants were found. And farm salmon do not have the nutritional profile of wild salmon. So does that make you want to eat your salmon now, huh? Now you, you can check all this out. Check out the nutritional profile and toxic profile of farm salmon. Well, they have an elevated fat content because of the processed fat feed that they are given. Just wanted to see here what a six ounce fillet. A six ounce fillet of farm salmon from, from the Atlantic contains a bit more omega-3, but an astounding three times more omega-6 than in wild salmon. You need both, but not you don't need it in that proportion. And the, the remember, they have high levels of contaminants, more than the wild, because of that elevated fat content. That's where the, that's where the pollutants and chemicals are stored. They accumulate there. And, the, and fat is like a sponge. It will absorb more toxins than wild fish. And, and it looks like the um, source of this is the dry pellet feed. Because that, the pollutants found in this feed included, as I said pre, pri, prior, dioxins, PCB, chlorinated pesticides, and drugs and chemicals. And they all go in the fat, and then you eat the fish. So that's uh, what makes these fish so toxic. It looks like the main thing is the uh, fish pellets. Okay, and we're not going to get into that, but I mean, you could check this out. I just want to bring it to your attention. The way they process the pellets seems to be really critical in delivering these this toxic cocktail to these farmed fish. So, what are you eating? Are you eating fish, or you or or are you eating the waste of fish? So there are other options. Huh? One is the wild-caught Alaskan sockeye salmon. Uh, they, they have some contamination because the waters are contaminated with microplastics and, uh, and, and, and uh, big pharmaceutical products. But it seems like there's a decreased risk of like the sockeye accumulating high amounts of mercury and other toxins because of its short life cycle. 
for trivia, the sockeye salmon live about three years. So, I hate to bust your bubble about fish. Let's look at um, 17 fish you should not eat. Let's bring that up. The one, number one on the list, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is tilapia. The analogy is eating tilapia is worse than eating bacon. And because, why? Because tilapia is a highly inflammatory food. And it's really consumed a lot because it's inexpensive. It does not have the right amount of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. So you got to avoid tilapia from China, especially where farming, farming practices, we're told, are particularly worrisome. It's hard to find wild-caught salmon, ladies and gentlemen. Most of it is farmed, and a lot of it is farmed also in Vietnam. Atlantic cod, they say, is number two on the list. So, not to get into it, it is, it is toxic. Heavy fishing, fishing has taken its toll on cod. One thing to, to remember about it, if you're a fan of uh, cod liver oil, make sure it's not sourced from the Atlantic cod. Opt for the Alaskan cod. Atlantic flatfish, which is Atlantic halibut, flounder, and sole. Due to historical overfishing and high contamination levels, these fish species have secured their slot on this list. Caviar, beluga sturgeon is on this list. Mainly because it's being over, over, overfished. And it, it, it is completely gone from several seas and rivers where it used to live. And may become extinct. So there's an app called Seafood Watch. And they recommend caviar from blue sturgeon, which is raised in recirculating aquaculture systems. Chilean sea bass. Well, you know, fish, fish names don't, don't really mean anything. I read a study just recently also where they did DNA testing and the fish were not uh, labeled uh, according to their DA most of the time. But the Chilean sea bass is actually... Patagonia toothfish. Okay. But Chilean sea bass sounds better, doesn't it? Not as intimidating as a Patagonia toothfish. But this 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 fish has been overfished. And this this fish is in serious trouble. And it also has high mercury levels, which are problematic. Now, number six on this list, list is eel. And you see a lot of eel on sushi, at sushi restaurants. 
Well, eels are slow to mature. They're overfished, and they have a lot of lot of uh, contaminants because they readily absorb and store chemicals like polychlorinated biphenyls of PCBs. And they also store flame retardants. You know, in New Jersey, the river eels are so contaminated, even adults are advised to eat no more than one eel a year. Number seven on the list is farmed salmon, but we already talked about that. Uh, eight is uh, imported basa. Nine is imported farm shrimp. Ten is imported king crab. Eleven is orange ruffy. Twelve is sharks. Thirteen is Atlantic bluefin tuna. Fourteen swordfish. Fifteen king mackerel. Sixteen grouper and seventeen sturgeon. So, what are better options? Not to keep going on and on, but Atlantic mackerel. Wild-caught Alaskan salmon, Pacific sardines, sablefish, black cod, albacore, or skipjack from the Pacific. So, you know, I, I know everybody wants to try and watch the what, what they eat. They think it's best for their cholesterol, and cholesterol is not really the problem. It's inflammation is the problem. And if you're eating feet, fish that have a high concentration of contaminants and that causes inflammation you didn't help yourself at all you're not really doing anything good for your body you know the whole uh, cholesterol hypothesis is going by the weight side uh, because we know that the statins although they sell billions of dollars worth have not really decreased heart, uh, heart disease because we haven't at uh, attacked the cause of heart disease, which is inflammation. So a high inflammatory diet is one of the things that causes you know, heart disease. So we think we're doing good and, and we're not. Now, just one other thing that I think is practical and then we'll call it a day. I've talked to you about chemicals, 65,000, maybe 20% have even been studied. And there's much less allowed in, in the EU. Chemicals and personal care products. Finally, Environmental Health News has come out and has a study that shows that these chemicals may increase the risk of breast cancer. Now, finally, we're getting to a cause of cancer, not just treating it with uh, chemo and, and, and radiation. We're getting to my, something that we really can change to decrease our chances of getting skin cancer. So these products have a lot of estrogen exposure. They have phthalates and paraben. They're called the endocrine disrupting chemicals. You can, you can uh, search my podcast for endocrine disrupting chemicals. We've talked about it. These chemicals can mimic estrogen. They're also known as xenoestrogens. They're, they have been associated now with breast cancer, even at low doses. And the two most common ones are phthalates and parabens. 
And they're in personal care products. They're in shampoos. They're in deodorants. They're in lotions. They're in nail polish. They're in fragrances and, and more. Okay, but there's a study in chemosphere, and they tried to understand how these are, could be, or how they affect people and how what happens if you reduce them and how they can be early markers of breast cancer in our bodies. Long story short, they recruited cancer-free women who use personal care products with these additives. They assigned women as controls. They collected their blood, their urine. They collected some breast tissue at the start and end of a 28-day interventional period. The non-control participants switched to phthalate and paraffin-free products. They observed significant reversal of known cancer-associated cell signaling pathways, significant shifts of known cancer-associated genes, guess what, to a quote-unquote normal profile and a significant reduction in phthalate and paraffin urine levels post-intervention. Quote, for us, breast cancer survivors, this study changes the paradigm for breast cancer research. Instead of looking at correlations, we found a way to study causations in people's bodies. Okay, got to start reading labels and try and get more natural products. Remember that your skin is the largest organ of your body. And whether you're in a sauna or taking a hot shower, all your pores are going to be open. And these, these, these products can easily get into your system. All right. So we, we talked about a, a few things today, the VA and optometrist doing uh, eye surgery. We talked about fish and how you really have to be care- careful about how much fish you eat. Of course, the older you are and the bigger you are, the, you know, the, you, you, the, the toxins do get diluted, but you know, it's always good to be on a, on a detoxification diet. You know, where you take products like uh, uh, chlor- um, charcoal, uh, like the liquid uh, charcoal, and, and detoxify your body. Do you know, sweat a lot? We'll get into a detoxification program. And we talked about uh, salmon, especially the farmed salmon, all the, all the dangerous products in them. Okay, so just uh, keep that in mind for this coming week. And I, um, we'll, we'll do a program next week and then maybe we'll take a week off. And then I do have scheduled Dr. Uh, Professor uh, Brian Peskin, Tobias Siegel, uh, to talk about uh, the, the omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids and ozone. And we will devote, I'm going to try and devote at least 15 minutes of each podcast to healing with frequencies, the, the new frontier of medicine is going to be frequency and energy healing. And I should have a ebook ready to give you uh, if you request it uh, in a couple of weeks. So everyone have a, a great time, have an attitude of gratitude, be thankful, try and be positive. Uh, and we're going to get through this whole thing. Okay, we'll take Freddie and uh, take us home. I, my email is docronradio at gmail.com. Uh, I am on every, uh, almost every outlet that carries podcasts. The name of the podcast is Dr. Ron, Unfiltered, Uncensored. Bye. 
Hey everybody, Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. If it's all about good health, he's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. Or when the doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. So if you have a pain, call the doctor. If you have a strain, call the doctor. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. See you next week.